Okay, Leslie, thank you for joining me at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Your your first watchable one, as we were discussing before. Second. 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 My presidency was in 2019. Okay. Year after that, I was class president. Pandemic. And then last year in Kansas City, I just tried to avoid COVID, so I would go to things and run by running. Hey, all takes sanitize, sanitize down a little bit. Yeah. What formation have we not ran this year? Yeah, you don't have to worry about things going perfectly well, right? Obviously, we want things to go well, but much meet and greet, just more socializing. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, um. What I want to talk to you about is obviously being the commissioner of the GA, and can you just tell us how, obviously we were talking before show, but just tell us how that, that came to be, and now what the, the future of the GA looks like. Yeah, well, uh, I worked for 34 years at the League of Coaching, 26 of those at one school, and uh, finished my time at the University of Washington in 2019, and was doing some consulting for CONCACAF and U.S. soccer coaching schools, and then in April of 2020, a month after the pandemic hit, uh, and I had kind of an up close and personal view of that because my associate head coach, Andy Griffin, who uh, was already in her last year at Washington being the director of the OL Rain Academy. Uh, her and they were recognized last night actually by President Ashley Thomas Comer, who was also part of that leadership group that started the show. Uh, they got recognized last night for stepping up and sort of salvaging the playing experience for a large group of girls who ended up with nowhere. So, April 2020, they start meeting 50, 60 hours a week on Zoom, and in two months, they had a league put together. Wow. June, they came to me, uh, interviewed a few people, and um, asked me to be their commissioner. Um, I, you know, so, what, what does a commissioner do of a, of a league like that? What, what are some responsibilities? Question. I had no idea going people, in. People aren't wearing like your face with a clown nose on them like they do with Roger Goodell, right? I hope, I hope that's not it. But like Don Garber, who says, just ready when you walk in the room to get food. I got introduced <laughs> with him one time and he goes, trust me, they're doing me, not you. So, yeah. um, but it is, you know, we, we try to enforce the frameworks. Uh, we organize our events. We've organized the league competition structure. For me, you know, getting out of the weeds of just cementing the league and the competition piece of it for the players, uh, one of our unique things is that we have a player advisory panel. And so listening to the players. Yeah. You know, they're represented in every age group. They're represented by team. They're represented by club. And they're represented by conference. And these young women are tremendous. And I really feel as the uniqueness of our league lies in the fact that we listen to their voice. Yeah. We have some great directors in our organization who do a really good job of their clubs. But at the end of the day, we've tried to sort of shift the game back to the players. Yeah. Because girls especially historically had limited say in their own environment. And they're just kind of told what's best for them, told that they should be told. And, and this, you know, goes a little bit outside of soccer, too. Because players want to be known as players first. And, you know, I mean, people first and players second. So what are some of the things that are important to them that as teams and as clubs and as, you know, conferences that, they, that are unique to them that they would like to see um, 
initiated, activated within the software environment that they feel yeah. So, you know, it goes all the way from software things like becoming a phrase, uh, increasing the visibility of underrepresented groups, then activism. You know, we have one player right now whose mom is of Iranian descent, and she's very keen to bring awareness to what's going on with the yeah. right now. Right. Um, the Ukrainians are a club within our league, and there are a lot of Ukrainian descendants that play in that league. You know, second, third, fourth generation, and, and also you know, organizing uh, things around. Um, uh, fundraisers and opportunities to help the children of Ukraine and the players in Ukraine that are, right. you know, in a war-torn country right now, and uh, a lot of them are refugees and having to leave the country. So it, it's really it's then you start listening to kids, you learn a lot as an adult. Yeah, kind of my thing. No, that, <laughs> so, it's, no, it's cool. I um, so I, I work at Beatley mm -hmm. and was walking out of practice one day, and you had team I want to say it was like 2010 girls maybe 2009 girls yeah. and they're meeting as a team and you have like their their advisory panel girls are asking the team questions and I'm like oh that's right I forgot the GAs do and stuff like that but yeah, I thought it was really cool because now you're putting two of these these younger girls in leadership roles as well and, 100% you know. and John All and Beatlin is one of our you know I would say beacon groups for, yeah. for Without the GA as a platform, I, their club does a great job internally of giving their players a voice. And, sure. and I think for them, you know, being able to be a part of the league that sees that as a plus, uh, giving the girls a voice is, is really cool. It's just, it's, it is. It's cool to empower them to lead, lead themselves, lead their peers, lead each other. And it's been, it's been fun. It's been the best part of my job, to be honest. That's awesome. How much from coaching? How much of the skills you've developed as a coach for 30 plus years can you take into this role as commissioner? And you know, are the the skills is the skill set similar? Because now you're working with different clubs, different directors. So, what are the I guess similarities from coaching to, to now a commissioner yeah, role? Well, I, I think in anything, it's it's leadership, right? right. Uh, coaching is leadership, and I think I, I do firmly believe that, especially you know, the, the trends in coaching education. I have. I wouldn't say gone away from the X's and O's, but you clearly have to understand the game, you have to understand the actual trends right. of the game, the technical things of the game, but at the same time, how to put those together, how to put them into a team, how you lead yourself, and how you lead your team, and how uh, you lead individuals is really important. And so, you know, over my time as a player and a coach, I feel like what I bring to the position is my leadership capabilities. I've led in other rooms too, obviously, because of the United Soccer Coaches and serving on boards for six years is something that gave me a lens for leadership. Working for a board now, it flip flopped. Yeah. And, and that was very different in the beginning because I was used to being on the board and the staff would basically, you know, would right. lead them and strategize for the board of United Soccer Coaches. The opposite is, you know, I work for at the, at the behest of the board, so I have to pay attention to what their strategy is and help activate it within my staff. So, and then when it comes to coaching directors and the people in the league, is, you know, every leader is different, but I try to be a good listener. Uh, I try to make sure that we are attentive to not just the directors, but the players as I spoke about earlier and what they want and what they need. And just evolve, and that's it. And, and yeah. you know, on a daily basis, pay attention to what it is we're trying to do with our mission and vision, and, and stick to that, and um, just collaborate across the board. Right. 
because this is a big country and the youth soccer space is a yeah. word. It's a weird one. So, um, yeah, <laughs> one word to describe the youth soccer would be weird. What, what is it that players want? Like, what, what are you hearing from from the teams and these advisory panels? Well, they want to be treated well. Sure. They want to be coached. They want to be taught. They want their development to um, revolve around good information and positive information and information that's helpful to their development. They want to be put in a safe environment where they feel like they're valued as people and they're treated the right way. And, and that's you know, light of a lot of things going on in this country is a huge part of my mission is to make sure that we provide uh, a safe space and a fun space for kids to develop their kids. And I think girls in particular, um, there's been some for decades. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some oversight as to what's been allowed and uh, as far as treatment and behavior approaching and what's been normalized. And so I think we're seeing a great shift to accountability for coaches and how yeah. they coach and how they teach and how they interact with young players. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's, it's all good points, but I don't think you really think of them from a, a youth soccer league. Right? You don't, it's something you see more at the internal level, like college level or high school level. You don't, you don't really ask because you know, youth soccer is just it's different in America. I guess maybe that's different. I don't know, but it's, it's cool to see a league actually asking the players what they want to see and with all the teams things that are in America too. It's, um, they want the quality to be high, they want the competition right. to be good, they want to interact. I think one of the things in our league is really good year three, we're midway through this third season. Is, um, Zoom kind of has something to do with this, but the advisory panel again, we're all meeting on Zoom and getting to know each other. And in the past, they would all tell you, going to a soccer tournament, Matt, you showed up, you played your game, you left with your team, you bonded with your team, it was us versus them, and that's kind of it. And now you see players coming together at events and they want to hang out after games and they want to get together and they want us to provide um, different activities for them on site where they're meeting and they're talking about things and a lot of them are going to end up being playing on a national team together, they might end up at the same college and just that networking really in their lives is it's important. You see here at the convention it's like a little, you know, kickstart on seeing what the game has to offer outside of just the playing piece. Right. And that's fun to watch for me. It is. Yeah. No, that, it's, it's just a whole other side of the, of the game that you don't really think about as often. What do you hope is the, the GA looks like in the next few years? Like, what, are there, is there anything you're trying to change aside from the advisory panel? Yeah. Issues, by the way. Um, aside, aside from the advisory panel, what else are some initiatives that you guys I think, you know, right now our, our sort of short to midterm goal is to make sure that we are becoming more competitive from top to bottom, that we're evolving in a strategic way in our membership that lessens travel and decrease costs for yeah. families and players. Uh, sponsorship, you know, again, not just transactional things for product or for advertisement or for things, so to speak, gift in mind or whatever, uh, because we have a lot of great partners, but uh, financial backing, we're not for profit, and we're trying to find a way uh, to make sure that our league is one where we can either maintain reasonable costs or lower them. Yeah. and increase the accessibility for those players that might not have the opportunity. Yeah, I think that's always the number one concern for parents yeah. and families is travel, costs, and all that, so it's it's good. Well, how, how, do, how does one club go about going to GA? Like, what, are, what is your membership? Yeah, and, uh, we're not trying, you know, our league isn't trying to be huge. We want to be able to provide uh, event opportunities and showcases and 
competitive uh, competitions that are quality, not quantity necessarily. Uh, and so right now our growth is minimal. We've gone from 69 to 70 to 81 to right now we're at 91 clubs. We're sort of in our membership window. Um, some of our membership growth might be addition by subtraction. So some of the clubs that either you know competitively just aren't meant for the space and haven't been able to maintain any or increase their competitiveness within their area um, have to be reviewed and then more importantly just the way they run their club so the leadership piece is huge to me more so the competitiveness and so developing kids and coaching in the right way and they're kind of good citizens within the league you know we won't remove the club because of that but at the same time if they are struggling from a leadership standpoint and they don't have happy players and they're not showing sort of sustainability within their own club then you know I think a lot of people want a national platform and then they see what it takes and they're not willing, to, willing or able to really yeah. sort of get buy-in from their parents or their club or their area and, you know that's not necessarily their fault it's just not meant for every right. club so just making sure we have the right fit for from every club and every conference that we have and then connecting the geography is a big piece of it again so the travel isn't as far from the play and it makes sense for, for families and for Directors. Yeah. Most of relegations can happen. That's um, no, 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 yeah. Stupid question. Well, it's not a stupid <laughs> question. It's just not yeah. realistic. It's not so realistic. Like I'm saying in the, in the youth, like in the youth, right. you don't I, think, it's, I, think it's too tough I, to... I, you know, people can talk about it if they want to. It's, yeah. not, it's so far down on my list of things that are realistic <laughs> because one of the things that I try to get my head around when people throw that out there yeah. is... Promotion and relegation for a club is one thing, but if you're a kid trying to get recruited for college, you're not. You're playing for that day and that moment. Youth, right. youth soccer is more. Obviously, you want to make it about the team and teamwork and developing players, but it is more about the individual player and helping them develop individually in their pathway. And the idea of promotion and relegation for them is kind of lost. It's like I love playing with my team. I like to win things or compete, but going up or down, I'm gone next year. I'm, you know, so for that, for a player, it would be an interesting thing to ask them because. As someone that's kind of trying to look through their ends, I'm like, every last thing ever. Yeah. You know, playing for a Champions Cup as an entire club, which we do with our Champions Cup, is, is a cool thing to do. Yeah. To try to earn points the previous year for your club to right. compete the next year to, win, to be the best club in the game is kind of cool from 13 to 15 seconds. Yeah. 13 year olds thinking, oh my gosh, I can get points for our club, and yeah. you know, this, this really matters, and we're really kind of going for it, and it's that competitive piece that gives life. The promotion and relegation piece from year to year. Things change for me or so much. I just don't know that that would be that important. That makes sense. I think it's a paper thing. Yeah. Big picture thing that you want to throw around. Right, right. No. Practical? I don't know that it is. No. And when you talk about the individual development pathway, because it is, I mean, that's what U.S. soccer preaches as well. So, I mean, it makes more sense to focus on the individual rather than getting coaches or clubs that you all get it. And obviously, you want individuals to understand because it's a team game, but developing it. Within a team construct, is it's got to be the primary. For sure. And every kid's different. So. I hear you. Yeah. Do you miss coaching? Um, I do, but I kind of I do. You know, the collegiate game. I I, I had such a great time as a college coach, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. I do feel like I don't want to call it the golden era, but. Um, 
you know, with the day in the life before the NIL, before the transfer right, before yeah. uh, a lot of things have changed in college soccer. Uh, I'm happy that I, I was able to coach the bulk of my career during that time, which right. was a little bit more of the develop the player over four years and see where they go, and their commitment to you is as big as your commitment to them. Uh, so that part to me I would, would be a big adjustment for me, and I'm yeah. sad that I'm missing out right, on it, right. based on what I hear some of my former colleagues say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the coaching piece itself, I mean, my former uh, associate head coach, she coaches the Deaf Women's National Team as well in the academy at Royal Reign. And so if I want to go out and do sessions, I always have the opportunity to. She's always asking me to. I try to wait for the nicer weather. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, but I also uh, get to do a lot of coaching education, so kind of vicariously to coach the candidates. And then also I just did a... Uh, for the State Department, I did my third envoy. I went to Israel and I was able to pitch over there. What is nine days I had to do sessions for two women's professional teams. And that kind of fired me up. I didn't realize how much I missed it until I got out of the field and it kind of right. came back to me. I was like, I had a blast. Yeah, so, it was a beautiful country too. Yeah, yeah. so I, I really enjoyed, um, yeah, it was my first time there. And yeah. I got to go with a very dear friend of mine and we just had a tremendous time. So being out on the field was cool. Yeah. Uh, so. Do I miss it? I do. Once I get out there to get to do it again, I'm like, oh. Yeah. It's coaching is my, playing is my first love, coaching is my second. Right. Being a commissioner, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, put it above the other two, but right. you age into things. I That's hear what it. I tell yeah. So, what, what was your most, if you had to pick one, your most memorable time at, uh, at Washington over the years? That's tough to say. You know, we went from the Elite Eight to winning zero games the next year. Really? We did. And it was an like interesting zero. time. No, zero. Like not 17 and 3. Wow. And we were in the Elite Eight the year before. We lost uh, 11 starters. We just happened to have a huge group. And I, I learned a very uh, hard lesson in uh, balancing out your classes. We yeah. tried to graduate too many kids at one time. Right. We lost 90% of our scoring. We lost our best freshmen to an injury. And so we turned over so many players the next yeah. year. And I misscheduled. Our first four games were against four of the top six teams in the country. So we started out 0-4. We were right. close. We had Penn State. We were up at Penn State. And yeah. we ended up losing in overtime. And then it was just like one after another. We're like, oh, and we were good. Like, right. Right. End of the year that Sausage right. began. Are you guys going to play Sausage? Because we were we were the best over team there was. Right. Um, and the good news was, in a sick way, is that our football team went 0 12 that year. And the football coach got fired, so we kind of skated right under the yeah. radar. <laughs> My boss at the time was awesome, and we rebuilt it after that. And yeah. so the next time that we, we went to the playoffs was like three years later, and then that same group of freshmen in their senior year got us to the league. Oh, nice. So I, I think. It was like a long stretch of memorable times of just putting the police pieces together every year and building something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we beat Portland on their field in 11 PKs one year when they were one seed, you know, senior year. So, you know, little things they like to jab people like that about because they had our number quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. There's just there's too many things. But the thing I miss the most about coaching is are the players. The pandemic for me ending the job in the pandemic simultaneously. <laughs> took away something I didn't realize that I had as much was just the connection with players all the time. And I've coached for so long that you know, my first players at San Diego State are only like four years younger than me. Yeah. So them and their families and their kids are playing or graduating or getting married. 
food and just that connection and being able to see them in person right. now that that's coming back is like yeah, I really miss that piece of it on a regular basis so yeah. um, the players you know, that's the thing you'll always miss about walking away from coaching with the players right. and the relationships do you get to talk to any of the GA girls like the advisory panels or you sell that to or can you like kind of use that as like your next hand, generation like, I insist is I, I go to all the events I walk around the events yeah. I talk to the players at the events uh, I have an ambassador so she's actually from PA Classics okay uh, yeah. she's injured right now she's a senior in high school her name is Jenna Abusad yeah, yeah, she's yeah. awesome and last year was Elise Evans who was the freshman national freshman of the year at yeah. Stanford she was my ambassador okay. last year uh, so getting to know even more uh, players one on one yeah, has been that's been a really a great sort of replacement for me yeah. if you will yeah. and that's the other thing is I kind of get to do what I want <laughs> yeah I want to get to know the players right. get me on that call or I you know yeah. email them or I get on some of their, their panel meetings and I meet them at events and they have to get on the whole like just sit down on the grass for lunch at the last event we were at and right. whoever wanted to come could come and ask me questions or tell me about themselves and yeah. it's cool it's so fun so what do you think's been, we'll follow up the, my last question with the same question, but most memorable experience so far in the short couple of years that you've been commissioner? I would say during the pandemic, putting it together, meeting my staff for the first time in person after working our butts off together. Have you, have you learned more about yourself in this a, a role? A ton. Yeah, it's, it's been a whole new, like I said, it's always about leadership, but a new skill set in a new environment, right? And, yeah. and learning, I've learned so much from the directors around me, from the, the coaches that have worked their tails off for years, and, you know, day in and day out in a new environment. It is not for the weak of heart. It is, yeah. it is a grind in what they yeah. do. And I think my perspective as a former college coach and youth national team coach and a coach educator, I do think that soccer piece of it for me is, is beneficial to them. But I give, I probably get way more back than I give. Uh, and I just, I've learned so much about myself, for sure, and just about leadership and how to go about things. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things you reflect on every so often and you're like, wow, this, is, this has been quite a deal. Yeah. It's, it's fun. People ask if I enjoy my job. I say, Enjoy is a strong word. I don't know if enjoy is the right word. I have pinned down, but I do feel as though I've been given an opportunity to be in a really impactful position, and that part of it is rewarding. It's a rewarding yeah. thing to do. Sure. So the last question I'll ask then is, when you decide, whenever the next role is that you decide to take, what's the, the legacy that you want to leave with as um, commission, first commissioner? Yeah, I, I think the legacy I'd like to leave is that we've created a unique platform for girls to be to be empowered and to have a voice, but also one that they can be proud of looking back. So when they go off to college and they look back at their playing experience, they feel that the, the Girls Academy, in addition to their own club, gave them a way to express themselves and build their own confidence through the and that, that'll, you know, if that happens, that'll be the end all be all for me. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> As coffee was, was <laughs> delivered, delivered, you have people just delivering you coffee. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, well, I appreciate you having yeah, me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse.